Welcome to Twisted Tales of Madness and Murder presents Eight Ways to Collect. This tale begins with Edward, who is in his twenties, dressed in expensive leisure clothing, drinking a Starbucks coffee and navigating a seldom-used dirt road filled with deep ruts left by various jeeps and trucks. The car is suddenly jostled by a deep rut in the road. Motherfucker! Edward, frustrated, looks out at the endless dirt road. This road can lick my sweaty fucking balls! The car hits another rut. Jesus Christ! Edward looks at the trees on both sides of him. Where the hell is this place? Edward reaches over to the passenger seat, grabbing a gold foil invitation, and studies the directions printed on it before tossing it back down. They might as well have just printed bumfuck Egypt on the damn thing. Edward looks down at his phone that flashes no service. What a hunk of shit. More service and more areas, my ass. Edward slaps the screen several times. Work, you piece of shit. The phone all of a sudden rings. Edward stares at the number for several seconds, then hesitantly answers it. Hello? Where's my money, asshole? Victor? just me, but I get these crazy fucking feelings like you are trying to avoid me and shit. I'm thinking maybe perhaps you realize how fucking you really are and how much you really owe. How I know you've got some brains up and that noodle of yours. So, I know you couldn't possibly think about running from me, Edward, eh? Running? Of course I wouldn't think of running from you. Listen, buddy, my old man just croaked, and he was insanely rich. I'm talking every step that cocksucker took, money fell from his asshole kind of rich. The reason it may come across as if I am running is because I'm on the way to the will reading, which just happens to be out of town. I am sure to get millions. Yeah, fuck's sake. I'm not your buddy. I'm the guy that you owe a shit ton of money. I realize your position, Victor, and I understand what you must be thinking, but like I said, no worries. I'm going to get you your money. Victor is silent. Victor? If you're fucking with me, try to screw me over. I will make sure to cut your fucking cock off and make you suck your own dick. The front driver's side of the car suddenly dips down into another rut, causing the phone to disconnect and bouncing Edward out of his seat and his coffee out of his hand, busting open, spilling the contents all over his lap. Edward looks down at the phone. Victor? Uh, Victor, are you there? Edward slams on the brakes and grabs the phone. Victor! Edward hits the steering wheel. Just great. Edward tosses the phone on the passenger seat, then looks down at the coffee spilt on his pants and the seat of his car. Fucking fantastic. This shit isn't going to come out. Edward rolls down the window and tosses the empty cup into the bushes and notices several vehicles parked in a clearing up ahead. Well, will you look at that? It's about time. Edward's black BMW slowly rolls into the clearing where a red Mercedes, a jet black Mustang, a silver Audi, and a faded rusty yellow VW van are already parked. Out in the distance, a tour bus with tinted windows and no markings of any kind is sitting. Peter, in his twenties, 
climbs out of the Audi wearing a business suit that accentuates his muscular build. Sarah, in her 20s, looking like a model that just stepped off the runway, gets out of the passenger side. Peter, smirking, watches Edward Park. Trevor, in his 20s, with his long, greasy hair tied back in a ponytail and fitted in second-hand clothing, hangs out the window of the VW van with a cigarette dangling from his mouth, surveying the others. He looks over at the Mercedes, finding Thomas in his 20s, Jill in her 20s, and Becky in her 20s, looking back at him. Trevor carefully blows a smoke ring in their direction, then waves. What's up, my brothers and sisters? In unison, they all quickly look away. Ariana in her 20s, dressed in a form-fitting red dress revealing her sleek body and perky breasts, gets out of the Mustang. Edward swings his door open and steps out using a napkin to try to blot up the coffee. Peter and Sarah walk over to him. I see you still haven't gotten over pissing yourself, Edward. Edward looks up at Peter. Save your insults for somebody that actually gives a shit, Peter. I wouldn't have this ungodly stain if I didn't have to drive out to the middle of wherever the fuck this is. Edward runs his hand across the top of the car. I don't even want to guess what kind of damages my baby sustained. Tossing the napkin on the ground, Edward looks at all the surrounding trees. This certainly does not look like any kind of airport to me. Edward motions at the surroundings with his hands. Do you see any fucking planes? Well, according to my phone, before I lost signal, there isn't an airport within a hundred miles of this location. This is just super. What kind of goat rodeo did the old man organize now? Edward reaches into his car and pulls out the invitation. If there isn't an airport around here, then why the hell does this thing say we're boarding a plane? Your guess is as good as mine. The others slowly migrate over, causing Edward to hold his arms out and smile. What a great day for a family reunion. I've missed you all so dearly. We really need to try and see each other more often, and not under such depressing circumstances. Thomas shakes his head in disgust. Now cut the shit, Edward. You could care less about any of us. We all know the real reason you've decided to grace us with your presence. All you want is father's money. Snapping his fingers, Edward laughs. <laughs> Damn, you figured me out, Thomas. And here I had you pegged as a dumb son of a bitch all this time. But do yourself a favor and climb down off that fucking soapbox and stop acting all sentimental and waxing nostalgic about how you actually loved that piece of shit. Yourself and the others are all here for the very same reason. That's bullshit, okay? Do you think he really wanted to adopt all of us? That man didn't give a shit about us. If it wasn't for Mom setting us up with those trust funds, he would have kicked us all to the curb right after she died. Sarah glares at Edward. Don't go acting like Mom was any kind of savior. She only adopted us so that she had a reason to be away from that bastard. I mean, we were basically a living doll collection for her. Becky steps up to Edward. Your logic is a bit flawed, Edward. If that was the case and he didn't care for any of us, then why in the hell would he have put us in his will? Edward holds his finger up. That's the million-dollar question. Trevor lumbers up to the group as Edward glares at him. Why the hell did you even bother to show up, Trevor? You've made it perfectly clear in the past you didn't want anything to do with this family or its money. You're absolutely right, Edward. This family's filled with arrogant assholes, such as yourself, that haven't had to lift a finger their entire life. Each and every one of you is greedy. Sarah looks at Trevor in disapproval. And you're not? If you haven't noticed, I've been doing just fine without any money from this family. Edward looks Trevor up and down. 
Your stunning appearance just radiates success. <laughs> feel free to mock me all you want if that makes you feel better about yourself. I wake up every morning and can look at myself in the mirror and be happy with who I am. Can any of you honestly say that? You all cling to these material items as if your lives depend on them. Money is the root of all that is evil and will do nothing but taint your souls. Save the fucking sermon for all your hippie freak friends. Money is a beautiful thing that makes the world go around. Ugh. Engaging in an argument with you is the equivalent of talking to a brick wall. It's useless. All I know is that I'm happier without that money and definitely happier than you. Edward shakes his head. <laughs> I beg to differ on that point. I have fun every night. In fact, I had these two fine, hot Russian gymnast chicks last night doing things to me you wouldn't believe. The shit would make your head spin. I had a smile from ear to ear. Blah, 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 blah. Edward gives Trevor the finger. Sit on it, pal. Every time I talk to you, I get such a headache. Edward looks around the parking lot. What's the holdup? Who are we waiting for? Sarah looks at Trevor, irritated. If money doesn't make you happy, then why are you even here, Trevor? Charity. What? Any money I receive, I'll be donating to Greenpeace, as well as other organizations that help this planet. That's got to be the stupidest thing I've heard. It's always such a good idea to piss away money on organizations that are useless. Perhaps in your eyes. If the old man had any sense, he would make sure your hemp-wearing ass doesn't get a fucking dime. Well, prepare to be dejected, brother, as I'm sure I would have not been invited to this little event if no monetary amount was going to be awarded to me. Edward looks around at the others. Is it just me, or is it every time this loser opens his mouth, you want to punch his teeth down his throat? Several of the others chuckle as Trevor looks around, then looks over at the bus. Well, you degenerates, feel free to converse amongst yourselves. I'm going to check out that bus. Yes, why don't you do that? Trevor walks toward the bus. Why did we not murder him in his sleep and save the world from his bleeding heart bullshit? Edward watches Trevor walk over to the bus, then looks back at Ariana, who is leaning up against one of the cars, looking her up and down, stopping on her ass, which she notices. What's wrong? What are you looking at? Relax, dear. I couldn't help but notice how that dress compliments your... assets. Quite nicely. Edward runs his eyes up, stopping at her ample breasts. Not to mention your other attributes. Let me guess. It's, uh, Zach Posen. Ariana looks at Edward with a surprised look. Very well done, Edward. I wouldn't be caught dead in anything else. You've always had such impeccable taste, my dear. Jill rolls her eyes. You're so disgusting, Edward. Edward turns to Jill. What on earth are you blabbering about? You're practically undressing her with your eyes. She's your sister, in case you've forgotten. Laughing, Edward <laughs> holds up his finger. On paper, that is true. But not in blood. Edward winks at Ariana. Jill stares at Edward. I honestly hope this is the last time I ever have to be in your presence. You really do disgust me. Edward slaps his hands against his chest and holds them over his heart. Your words cause me such horrible pain, Jill. I can't believe you would say such hurtful things to me. You haven't even begun to hear hurtful things. Thomas steps between Edward and Jill, 
Hey, uh, not to deviate from the engaging topic of Ancestor, hearing what Jill could possibly bring up to cut Edward down, but maybe we should turn our attention to that bus? Peter looks over at it. I was the first one to get here, and as far as I can tell, nobody's gotten on or off that thing. Perhaps that's our mode of transportation to the airport? Jill motions toward the cars. Why have us drive out to the middle of nowhere to be shuttled someplace else? Sarah looks around at everybody. I'm starting to get the feeling this is just one of Dad's ways of jerking us around for one last laugh. Becky looks at Sarah. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. The bus door swings open, startling everybody. And Bob, in his 40s, a tall, slender man, wearing a business suit, strolls down the steps of the bus carrying a red velvet bag as Trevor looks up at him. Hey, what's up? Business. Important business. Glancing at his watch, Bob motions the others to approach. Chop, chop. Time is of the essence, people. Would you please be kind enough to move in my general direction so we can begin the first step? Edward and the others walk up to the bus. First step? Why don't you start by telling us who the hell you are and what the deal is with the fucking bus? I will gladly do so. My name is Bob. Edward looks at Bob, annoyed. Bob. Yes, Bob. And that is all you need to know. I was your father's assistant. <laughs> assistant? Let's be honest here, Bob. Don't you mean bitch? Bob ignores Edward. One of my final acts as your father's assistant is to help in the reading of his will. Well then stop yammering and get reading, Bob. Now I realize you are all anxious to find out the monetary amount left to you in the will. But unfortunately, before I can release said information, several steps are required. Peter raises his hand. What kind of steps? Well, once everyone is on the bus and situated and we are en route, I will explain more. Trevor looks back at the others, then back at Bob. En route? Where are we going? Edward looks at Bob. Are you taking us to the airport? As you all know, your father was an eccentric man. Edward shakes his head in disgust. Our father was a complete asshole, Bob. During my time with your father, I've learned that everyone looks at a painting in very different ways. You're comparing that man to a painting now? Tell me, Bob, how many times did you suck his dick? Bob ignores Edward's comments as he holds up the velvet bag. Now, before I can allow anyone on the bus, each of you will need to deposit your personal belongings as well as the invitation to the reading of the will in this bag. Jill looks around at the others, then back at Bob. You're joking, right? I'm simply following the rules set forth in the will. I'll need your keys, wallets, purses, cell phones, well, basically everything other than your clothing. Edward gives Bob the finger. Well, Bob, I'm not going to give you shit. Ariana steps up next to Edward. I'm with Edward. Bob looks at Edward and Ariana. You don't have to relinquish anything to me if that is your desire. Edward nods his head in satisfaction. Damn right I don't. Glad you can see things my way. Now, let me on the bus. Edward tries to board the bus, but Bob blocks him. You mind stepping aside? Unfortunately, I can't allow you to board the bus until you follow all the rules. I've only had the pleasure of knowing you for several minutes, but in those several minutes, I've already determined you're a prick. You are entitled to your opinion, 
But if you do not want to play by the rules, then you shall be eliminated from the will, forfeiting all assets left to you. Those assets will then be divided among the remaining members listed. Stepping back, Edward looks at the others. This is unbelievable. You guys can't possibly consider going along with this. Trevor, pulling out keys and a hemp wallet, steps up to Bob and drops them in the bag, then pulls the folded invitation out of his back pocket and drops it in as Bob gives Trevor an inquisitive look. Hmm. No cell phone? Never had one, never will. Those damn things are just electronic leashes, not to mention the terrible effects they're causing the environment. Bob reaches in and pulls a small electric wand from his suit jacket, holding it out in front of Trevor. Well then, you won't have a problem with me checking. Of course not. Trevor holds his arms out from his body as Bob runs the wand over him. Very good, sir. You may board the bus. Trevor, smiling, turns to Edward. By all means, Edward, don't board the bus. Because that would mean more money for me to donate to those useless organizations you so love. Trevor turns and walks up the steps, disappearing into the bus as Bob looks out at the others. Next. Jerking out his wallet, keys, and invitation, Edward steps in front of Bob. I don't know what kind of dog and pony show is going on here, but no hippie is getting any of my money. Just isn't happening. Edward drops his belongings into the bag. So I'll play along with this ridiculous game. Bob runs the wand over Edward, stopping at his pant pocket when it beeps. I'm sorry, are we forgetting something? Sighing, Edward pulls his cell phone out. <sighs> My apologies. I forgot all about this damn thing. I'm sure you did. Edward drops the phone in the bag, then points his finger at Bob. Don't go get any funny ideas, because I know exactly how much is in my wallet. All your personal belongings will be perfectly cared for and safe. Bob motions toward the entrance to the bus. Now, if you wouldn't mind, we are on a tight schedule. I mean it. I better not see any damn 900 numbers called on my phone. Edward glares at Bob as he passes him, then enters the bus as the others line up in front of Bob with their belongings out and ready. The group are all sitting in the first couple rows of the bus as the rest of it is walled off with a door in the middle of that wall. Bob scans the area, then closes the door and walks up the steps as all eyes are on him. Edward points back at the door. Hey, Bob, what's the deal with the door? What's behind it? What's behind the door is no concern of yours. Edward shakes his head. How did I know you'd say that? Bob points down at the seats. Now, under your seats, you will find a box. Please retrieve this box and open it. Peter is the first to open his box and pulls out a blank, hard plastic collar with a red LCD light attached to it. Okay, not what I was expecting at all. Peter holds the collar up. What the hell are we supposed to do with this thing? At this time, I will need each of you to unhook your devices, then place them around your neck, snap them in place. Thomas leans forward in his seat. Wait a second, I, I'm a little confused here. You're telling us you actually want us to wear this thing like some kind of dog collar? Well, I apologize if that is how you perceive the apparatus, but yes, it is a necessary step for us to continue. Angry, Edward stands up. You're high. You can take this collar and shove it right up your ass. Bob holds his hands up. Let me make it perfectly clear. 
that nobody in here is being forced to do anything they don't want to do. If you do not want to wear the device, you don't have to, but I will need to ask you to leave this bus. Edward looks at the others. How can all of you just sit there and eat this shit like it's the best thing since sliced bread? I can't possibly be the only one that thinks this is asinine. Sarah looks at Edward. Like he said, Edward, you're free to leave. I bet you'd like that, you greedy bitch. Peter looks at Edward. Stop the grandstanding and just put the damn collar on, Edward. Peter unhooks the device and snaps it around his neck. Sitting down, Edward watches Trevor adjust his collar. Then Trevor turns and looks at Edward. If you're scared, just say you're scared, Edward. You think I'm scared of some piece of plastic? Please. Edward grabs the collar and puts it around his neck and looks at Bob. Rough, rough. Bob watches as everybody else finishes putting the collars on. Excellent. Now that everyone is in compliance, we can now proceed to the location where all the information you seek will be divulged to you. Please sit back and relax. The duration of the ride is approximately 15 minutes. Sitting down in the driver's seat, Bob fires the bus up. Sounds like a hoot, Bob. Should we all sing the wheels on the bus go round and round? Or perhaps you have another ditty. Bob ignores Edward as he steers the bus down a dirt road. Edward watches the clearing with all their vehicles disappear from view. What about our cars? Some hunter could come along and fuck with them? Bob continues to ignore Edward. That's fine. Just ignore me. Edward looks around the bus. I can't wait to see what hoop we have to jump through next. The bus slowly rolls up and stops next to an abandoned slaughterhouse that is one long wooden building with several structures that splinter off from it that are in various stages of decay. Disgusted, Sarah looks out at the building. This can't be the right place. Why are we stopping here? Sarah grabs the seat in front of her and pulls herself up to get a better view of Bob. I think you made a mistake. Perhaps you looked at the map wrong or something? This can't possibly be the right location. Bob turns the engine off and stands up looking back at the group. Please don't let the appearance of this structure alarm or worry you. This location was handpicked by your father in preparation of this event. Now, if you all would please disembark from the bus and follow me. Bob pushes the lever, activating the doors to open, and steps down off the bus as Sarah watches him. Wait a second. Ariana stands up. Where the hell is he going? They watch as he disappears into the building. Then Sarah looks at the others. He doesn't expect us to go in there, does he? Becky looks out at the building. How could I not worry about the appearance of this dump? It looks like it could collapse at any minute. Trevor shakes his head, laughing. <laughs> what a bunch of shelter crybabies! Do the world a favor and stay on the bus. Trevor gets up and walks off the bus as Peter looks around at the others. Wouldn't it be funny if we all just sat here and, and let Trevor get all the money? Edward looks at Peter with disgust. Funny? I don't think so. Edward sticks his hand out to Ariana. Shall we? Ariana looks out at the building, then at Edward. I'm being serious. That thing does not look safe. Relax, darling. I will personally make sure that not a single hair on that lovely head of yours is harmed. Is that a promise? 
Edward uses his index finger to make an X over his heart. Cross my heart. Ariana hesitantly grabs Edward's hand and then walks off the bus. Edward and Ariana cautiously walk into the building and find that the inside is in far worse condition than the outside. Edward quickly covers his nose, shielding his senses from the smell of dead animal that saturates the air. Oh, what the hell is that god-awful smell? Ariana follows suit by covering her nose. I think I'm going to vomit. Believe it or not, you get used to the smell quicker than you think. I highly doubt that. Trevor stands in front of a glass coffin, resting on two solid wood stands that is holding their father. He is dressed in a dark blue suit with a red tie. Eight white fold-out chairs sit in front of the coffin. A plasma TV hangs from the ceiling just behind the coffin. Bob, holding a remote control, stands next to it. Edward walks up to the coffin as the others one by one walk into the room. Talk about being dramatic. Sarah walks up next to Edward. Am I the only one that thinks this is disgusting? I mean, shouldn't he already be buried or cremated? Trevor puts his hand on the coffin. He looks perfectly fine to me. Edward looks closely at the body. Maybe he's stuffed with money and we get to hang him up and bust him open like a pinata. Bob motions to the others in the back of the room to come forward. If all of you would please move forward, I assure you he will not bite. Trevor continues to look at his father. Doesn't he look so peaceful? Edward looks at Trevor. Give me a break. Put a suit on a turd, it's still a piece of shit. Edward spits in the coffin. You have no idea, Dad, how long I've been waiting for you to keel over. Trevor looks at the spit, then at Edward. What are you thinking? You may not have liked him, but have some respect for the dead, Edward. Edward turns to Trevor. There is no way in hell I will ever show that bastard any kind of respect. You're pathetic. Whatever. Becky steps up to the coffin. Maybe it's just me. I know he's dead and all, but he still intimidates me just laying there. Sarah steps up next to Becky. You're not alone. He still scares the shit out of me, so don't worry. Edward slaps the side of the coffin. I bet he thought he would live forever. Drumming on top of the coffin with his hands... Edward looks at Bob. What's the deal? Are we all supposed to break down and cry seeing his body laid out in front of us? Forget about how he treated each one of us and dangled his money and power over our heads every single day? Bob stares at Edward. How you choose to feel, well, that's completely up to you. Kneeling down, Edward looks in at his father. I hope you're looking up from hell right now, because I want you to see that I'm not shedding one fucking tear for your sorry ass. Jill steps up behind Edward. You should really consider a job writing sympathy cards, Edward. You have such a flair for it. Edward smiles at Jill as he gives her the finger. If everyone would please take a seat, we can begin with the proceedings. Ariana looks at Bob. With the amount of money he had, why in the world did he choose to do this in a slaughterhouse? Please have a seat, and I'll let your father explain all the details. Our father? Yes, he prepared a video presentation for all of you. Edward rubs his hands together. I wish somebody would have told me we were going to watch a flick because I would have brought the popcorn. Peter glares at Edward. Will you just sit down, Edward, and stop being such a jerk-off? Edward salutes Peter. 
Yes, sir. Grabbing the seat next to Ariana, he sits down as Bob powers on the television. This thing going to be in HD? I'm sure you'll find the quality of the presentation to be sufficient. Pushing several buttons on the remote control, Bob steps back. Enjoy. Bob walks toward the door with Edward watching him. What, you're not going to watch it with us? At this time, this fulfills my obligation to the will. My duties are now complete. I wish each of you the best of luck. Bob walks out the door as Edward looks at Ariana. Good luck? Ariana looks back at Edward. What is that supposed to mean? Clint Alexander, in his 50s, the father, appears on the screen. He sits in a large leather chair with a roaring fire behind him. On a small table next to him is a glass of scotch. Greetings, children. I'm so pleased all of you could attend. I hope the accommodations are not too dire. Soon I'll explain why I've chosen this location, and then everything will come to fruition. <coughs> Clint coughs several times into a white handkerchief and pulls it away from his mouth, revealing blood on it, causing <laughs> Edward to laugh. Talk about laying it on thick. Peter again <coughs> glares at Edward. Will you please just shut up? Some of us would actually like to hear this. Pardon me. I thought today was going to be one of my better days. It seems those days are quickly evaporating. I've tried everything I can to try and stop this cancer from tearing me apart. But it is relentless. I guess money can only do so much for a person. Enough about me. I know all of you could care less about me. Edward claps his hands. Give the man a gold star! The reason you're all here is simple. You're greedy. Edward looks over his shoulder at the others, smiling. The trust funds each of you was set up with by your late mother would have supplied you with a comfortable life. But you want more. What you had just wasn't enough. Damn right I do, so get on with it. Let's get to the nitty-gritty. If Bob kept to the schedule, then right about now, those devices each of you snapped around your own necks should be activating. When the devices activate, the clock on the back wall should also turn on and start counting down, giving you just three hours. <coughs> Thomas, confused, looks at the others. Three hours? Three hours for what? All of a sudden, the LCD lights on all of the callers turn a bright red, followed by a digital clock on the back wall flashing several times before starting a countdown from three hours. Jill looks down at her caller, then at the clock on the back wall. What's going on? What the hell is the deal with the clock? Peter looks around the room. Where is that Bob guy? Ariana stands up and points at the door. He left! Clint laughs, followed by coughing. <laughs> I wish I could be there and see with my own eyes the panic and confusion racing through each one of you right now. Reaching up, Becky grabs her collar and tries to unsnap it. I would strongly recommend not tampering with the devices around your necks unless you have no desire to try for the grand prize. 
Each device is lined with enough explosive to blow up your typical microwave, so <laughs> imagine what it could do to your heads. Shaking, Becky lets go of her collar. What did he just say? Did he just say this thing could blow off my head? Tampering with the devices as well as going beyond the 20-yard border that has been set up outside these facilities will result in your instant deaths. Ariana stares at the door. Bob, get your ass in here. Peter stands up. Bob! As of right now, each one of you is dead to the outside world. Tragic victims of an unfortunate plane crash. Jill shakes her head in disbelief. This is a sick joke. Now, since you're all dead, that means no one's going to be looking for you. This slaughterhouse sits on 20 acres, which is all owned by me. So believe me when I say you are all alone out here. One of you will walk away with all my assets today, but not without a little blood on your hands. To make things move along a little faster, if more than one person is alive by the time that clock gets to zero, then all devices will be detonated. Trevor gets up, kicking his hair over. God! I don't know what the hell I was thinking. No money, regardless of what I was going to use it for, is worth this kind of shit. Edward looks at Trevor. What happened to showing respect? Trevor glares at Edward. In the room adjacent to you, a table lined with eight different weapons from the medieval time period will be found. As you all know, I was an avid collector of all forms of torture devices and debauchery from this time period. All the weapons you will find come from my very own collection. They all have kill potential, so the sooner you grab one, the better chance you will have of being the last one standing. Clint begins to convulse, <laughs> then breaks out in a coughing fit that causes him to put the rag to his mouth, as Ariana looks around, finding a room with a door that is loosely hanging on its hinges. Is that the room he's talking about? Peter looks at Thomas. Hey, Thomas, why don't you go check it out? What? Why me? Because you're the closest. Clint, doubled over, <laughs> continues coughing, violently as Thomas stands up and walks over to the door, grabbing the handle of the door, which causes it to fall off. Shit. Thomas catches the door and sets it against the wall, then pokes his head in the room, finding a conference table lined with weapons. Jill, irritated, stares at Thomas. Well? Thomas continues to look in the room. You won't believe this, but he wasn't joking. Looks like stuff right out of King Arthur's castle. Thomas takes a step toward the table, but is stopped by Peter. Hold up, Thomas. He's about to talk again. Thomas walks back over to the chairs. Clint cleans his mouth of blood and takes several deep breaths. <sighs> what kind of a man would I be if I just laid the weapons out and let you go at it? Obviously, the men will have the advantage due to their upper body strength and just overall ability to conquer women. To put things on a more fair playing field, 
I've gone ahead and placed hidden traps in various locations. You step in one of these traps, consider yourself finished. I know you're all thinking that this can't possibly be happening, but it is. What will also happen is that one of you will walk away with my fortune and the chance to tell an amazing story about how you were the only one to survive a plane crash. At this point, I feel I've said all I need to say, so without further ado, good luck. The TV shuts off as the room goes silent as everybody looks back at the ticking clock. Jill, concerned, looks around at everybody. Do you think he was serious? Trevor stands up. He's just jerking us around. All our lives, he's done nothing but scare us. This facade is just one more attempt at that. I'm sure he's laughing his ass off right now. <laughs> you guys want to stick around and play his games? Be my guest. I'm out of here. Trevor tries to storm off, but Peter grabs his arm. Don't tear out of here half-cocked until we know what's going on. Knocking Peter's hand away, Trevor makes his way to the exit as Becky stands up. What about your collar? Trevor stops and looks back at Becky. What about it? Peter takes a step toward Trevor. He said it will explode if you breach the perimeter. Reaching up, Trevor flicks the red light with his finger. It's all a load of crap. And these fancy little lights are all part of the act. Trevor looks at everybody. You are all pathetic. And I feel sorry for your wasted lives. Trevor walks out. Stepping out into the sun, Trevor finds the bus gone. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. <sighs> Guess I'm going for a walk. Peter comes out. Just come back inside, Trevor. I'm hiking to my van and getting as far away from this family as I can. I truly hope I never see any of you ever again. Some of the others walk out as Trevor walks up to the tree line. Jill steps up next to Peter. Don't be stupid, Trevor! Come back! Edward looks out at Trevor, then at Jill and Peter. He wants to be an asshole? I say let him go. Laughing, Trevor continues walking. His collar begins beeping and flashing. <laughs> I guess it's time for the light show. Grabbing the collar, Trevor tries to pull it off, but can't as the beeping gets louder and faster as he turns to the others who are staring at him. <laughs> I wish I had a camera right now so I could snap a photo of all your faces because each one of you looks scared shitless, like a bunch of lambs that are about to be led to the slaughter. Peter motions for Trevor to come back. Enough with the macho bullshit already, Trevor. Just get your ass back in the building with the rest of us. Ooh, not happening, amigo. Trevor waves goodbye as he continues toward the fence when all of a sudden his head explodes, sending chunks of bone and brain matter in all directions. Jill screams in horror as Trevor's headless body with smoke rolling off it and blood spurting into the air stumbles around, then collapses to the ground. Peter stands in shock. Holy shit! Jill, frantic, runs back into the building with Becky following her. The ground around Trevor's body is soaking up the blood spilling from his body like a sponge. 
as Edward stares out at him. Did that just fucking happen? Did his head just fucking explode? Thomas steps up next to Peter. Oh my god! Thomas takes a step towards Trevor's body, but Peter stops him. What the fuck are you doing? Don't be stupid! Peter taps Thomas's collar. You don't want that thing going off! Thomas looks out at Trevor, then steps back toward the building. What do we do? I mean, we got a serious situation on our hands. Edward looks at Thomas. You think? Edward takes a step toward Trevor, but Peter sticks out his arm, stopping him. Let's get back inside. Edward looks down at Peter's hand. If you like that fucking hand, I suggest you remove it right now. Peter lets go. Just get inside, Edward. We've got to figure this out. Edward smirks at Peter, then walks into the building. Edward, Peter, and Thomas find Jill walking around the coffin in a frantic manner, tugging on her collar. We're all going to die. Becky is following alongside her, trying her best to calm her down. You gotta, you gotta calm down, Jill. We're not going to die. We will figure something out. Sarah runs up to the guys. What the hell happened out there? Jill is freaking out. Is Trevor really dead? If he isn't, he'll be saving a shit ton of cash on hats. Peter looks at Edward with disgust. This isn't the time for jokes, Edward. Jill smacks her head several times. Somebody get this thing off me, right now! Jill pulls on the collar, but Becky grabs her hand and pulls it away from her collar. Jesus Christ, Jill, don't fuck with that thing! I am not going to stand here and have my head blown off! Get this fucking thing off me, right now! Jill grabs at the collar again as Peter walks up, pulling her hands away. God damn it, Jill, you need to stop screwing with that thing before you blow us all up! I can't die. Not like this. Rich people aren't supposed to die like this. Edward smiles. A lot of people would disagree with you on that one. Peter glares at Edward. Do you ever just stop and think before you speak? My apologies. I'll do a better job of filtering my comments going forward. Asshole. Peter turns back to Jill, who is even more frantic, and pulling on the collar harder as Becky, freaked out, looks at the others. Somebody do something before she ends up just like Trevor. Peter holds his hands up in front of Jill. Jill, you need to... Edward pushes Peter out of the way. Get out of my way! What are you doing? What nobody else seems to have the balls to do. Edward grabs hold of Jill and spins her around so that they are face to face, then slaps her. Jill's head snaps to the side from the impact as she drops her hands to her side and stares at Edward in shock. If you would like to continue screaming and being an all-around annoying cunt, then please, by all means, do so, because I rather enjoyed that and wouldn't mind doing it again. Becky storms over and shoves Edward out of the way. What the hell is wrong with you? Keep your hands off her! Becky moves Jill away from Edward. You're the one that wanted somebody to get her to stop jerking on that collar. Perhaps I shouldn't have done anything and just let her join the headless hippie. Go fuck your... I'll be okay. Everybody looks at Jill. I'm sorry I lost my composure, but I'm perfectly fine now. Peter walks up to Jill and gently places his hands on her shoulders. I don't want you worrying anymore, because we're going to get out of here. Peter looks at everybody. All of us. Really? Really. And how the hell do you think that's going to happen, Slick? Irritated, Peter turns to Edward. Because somebody is going to come looking for us. Eight people of high society just don't disappear off the face of the earth. Wow. 
I'm really starting to think that all that money you poured into that fancy-ass Harvard education was pissed away. It's clear as day nobody is coming for us. Sarah looks at Edward. What are you talking about? Peter looks over at Sarah. Ignore him, Sarah. He has no idea what he's talking about. Somebody will come for us. Edward points at the TV. Did you not watch the same fucking video I did? The old man said we all perished in a plane crash. As far as the outside world is concerned, we're all fish food. Ariana walks up to Jill, checking her, then looks at Peter. Edward's right. He did say we all died in a plane crash. He covered his tracks. Nobody's coming. Thomas sits down in one of the chairs. No, no, this, this can't be happening. This cannot be happening right now. Peter holds his hands up as he looks around at everybody. Everybody, take a chill pill. Level heads prevail in stressful situations. We are not going to die in this place. We are going to put our heads together and come up with a viable solution to the problem at hand. Is that what you think? For this whole putting our heads together bullshit, you want me to go grab Trevor's? Peter glares at Edward. If he had just waited, he would still be alive. Sarah steps up to Peter. Well, since you seem to think you have all the answers, what the hell do we do, Peter? First thing we don't do is all of us go running off in different directions. What we do is sit tight. Edward rubs his face in frustration. Sit tight. That's your big fucking plan? Yes, it is. All right, hotshot, what's your big plan after three hours is up? Edward spins around and looks up at the clock. Strike that? What's your plan when two hours and forty minutes is up? Peter looks up at the ticking clock. I guess we'll worry about that when the time comes. That has to be one of the most fucked up plans I've ever heard. There is no way in hell I'm sitting here with my thumb up my ass waiting for my head to pop off. Let me guess. You think going into that room and grabbing a weapon and killing your family is a better option? I may be the only one saying it, but I sure in hell know you are all thinking it. All of you are just as greedy as me. Right now, going into that room is the only option to me that makes any sense. Going into that room is not an option. Thomas slowly makes his way toward the room with the weapons, but stops when Peter and Edward turn their attention to him. Where do you think you're going, Thomas? Look, it might not be such a bad idea to at least check out the room a little. Maybe we could find something that could help us get out of here. Peter walks over and blocks Thomas from the door. I don't think that's such a good idea. Why is that? You don't trust me? You think I'm capable of killing somebody? You think I'm capable of killing one of you? I know you would never hurt any of us, Thomas. But I think it's just safer if nobody goes into that room. We all stay out here and keep an eye on each other. Did I miss something? Edward, please. I'm serious. Did I miss the part where you were put in charge? What? You heard me. You're walking around here like you're General fucking Patton and shit. Edward looks around at everyone. I'm pretty sure we are all able to make our own decisions. We don't need you doing it for us. Is that so? Peter looks at the others. Is that how you all feel? Ariana looks at Peter. Okay, we're all a little stressed right now. Thomas looks at Ariana in shock. <laughs> a little? Okay, a lot. The point I'm trying to make is that with all that stress, having somebody bark out orders might not be the best approach right now. Peter looks at Ariana in shock. I can't believe you're taking his side. If that's how you want to take it, 
Then yes, I'm taking his side. Thomas holds his hands up. Can't we all just take a deep breath and try to figure all this out calmly? Sarah steps up next to Thomas. Thomas has a point. Edward steps up to Peter, who continues to block the door. Sounds to me like the committee has voted. And they don't want you bossing them around, Chief. They're just scared and don't know what they want right now. Sarah stands shocked. And you know what I want? Peter looks at her as Edward looks at Peter. Seems to me like you need to have a quiet moment with Sarah, so why don't you step aside before I have to move you myself? I'd like to see you try that. Sarah steps between Edward and Peter. Come on, guys. Enough with the pissing match. I'm not letting you in this room, Edward. Why is that, Peter? You don't trust me? That's an understatement. That cuts deep, brother. I don't know how I'll be able to sleep at night. Come on, guys. Thomas looks up at the clock. We're wasting time. You are right, Thomas. We are wasting time. Edward looks at Peter. So fucking move already. Edward reaches up to grab Peter, but Peter grabs him first and slams him against the wall. I said you're not going in. Get the fuck off me! Edward struggles to break free, but Peter just slams him against the wall again. Keep trying, because I can do this all night. You're staying out here with the rest of us. Winded, Edward smiles at Peter. And if I don't? You'll leave me no choice. What's it going to be? Wow. It took me a minute, but I get what you're doing. I must say it's a very clever play, you sneaky bastard. What are you talking about? Edward looks around at the others. Can't you guys see what he's doing? Thomas, confused, looks at Edward. What? Yes, Edward, why don't you tell us what I'm trying to do? Our dear brother here, who is acting all compassionate and shit trying to save the day, is actually lulling you into a false sense of security. Jill takes a step toward them. What do you mean? I mean, when he gets you all to lower your guards and trust in his decisions, he'll slaughter each one of you so he can get all the money. <laughs> You're delusional. Am I? You're just trying to confuse everyone. I'm trying to help. Yourself. Jill looks at Peter. Is that true, Peter? What? No! No, of course it isn't true. Don't listen to his nonsense. Ariana steps up next to Edward. From where I'm standing, it doesn't look like nonsense. Thomas looks at Ariana, then back at Peter. I'm with Ariana on that one. Are you all fucking kidding me? He's the one trying to trick everybody! Becky points at Peter's hand, gripping Edward. Holding Edward like you're going to throttle him doesn't bode well for your cause. Maybe you should just let him go. Edward looks over at Becky, smiling. I couldn't agree with you more, Becky. Very good observation. Don't go thinking this means I like you or something. Of course, my dear. Edward looks Peter right in the eyes. So... You gonna let me go? Or is your plan to kill me first? Everybody just needs to take a deep breath and focus, including myself. I really think it would be best if we all just stay together and stay away from the weapons. Peter loosens his grip, and Edward quickly knocks his hands away and shoves him. Get the fuck off me! Peter stumbles through the open door into the weapons room, when all of a sudden a board lined with spikes springs up from beneath the dirt floor, punching through his back and out of his chest. 
One of the spikes burst through the back of his head and out his mouth, scattering his teeth across the room. Thomas runs toward Peter. Edward swings his arms out, stopping Thomas. I wouldn't if I was you. There might be more of those things. Thomas drops to his knees, then vomits as Sarah hurries over. What happened? Sarah looks into the room and screams in horror when she finds Peter's lifeless body hanging like a bloodied scarecrow. What the fuck? Becky looks over at Sarah. What's going on? Is Peter okay? Jill and Becky make their way toward the room, but Sarah spins around and stops them. If I was you, I would not come any closer. Becky stops. Why what happened? Just stay back. Jill looks at Sarah. Did something happen to Peter? Is he okay? Edward looks in at Peter and the stake coming out of his mouth. If he is, he's going to need one hell of a dental plan. Edward glances up at the clock. I would say the ball is rolling now. Angry, Sarah turns to Edward. The ball is rolling? Trevor and Peter are both dead. That is horrible, but you gotta look at the bright side of it. That is two less people to deal with. Thomas stands up, using his sleeve to wipe the vomit off his chin. What are you saying, Edward? I'm saying it's a dog-eat-dog world. And to all those keeping track, only five to go. We're family. We're supposed to look out for each other. When it comes to money, all that family bullshit goes out the window. Edward slowly steps up to Peter. He always did like to make a point. (laughs) Laughing, Edward carefully maneuvers to the table as Sarah watches him. What are you doing, Edward? Ignoring her, Edward scans the table that has three swords, varying in length, two different daggers, a wicked-looking mace, a crude sledgehammer and battle axe that also has a pick opposite the blade. Running his index finger along the sharp blade of the battle axe, Edward smiles. Here's a little fact that none of you probably know. Dad's collection is very special. Sarah continues to watch Edward. We know that, Edward. It's very old. Edward holds a finger up. That is true. But the special thing is that each one of these weapons has been responsible for spilling someone's blood. Thomas steps up next to Sarah. They've killed people? Many. Avoiding Peter's body, Sarah slowly walks up behind Edward. Whatever it is you're thinking, Edward, you need to stop. I was just thinking about using the mace. Just something about swinging around a metal ball the spikes on it seems like such a kick in the pants. Are you even listening to me, Edward? Scooping up the battle axe and balancing it in both hands, he spins around as Thomas watches in horror. Sarah, watch out! Sarah jumps back, but the blade of the axe drags across her stomach, tearing through her shirt as well as her flesh. When it comes down to it, this is by far the best weapon when it comes time to slaughter people. Sarah looks down, finding blood pouring out of her body, as well as a portion of her intestines hanging out. Quickly, she slams her hands against her stomach, trying to push them back in. Oh my god! A good way to look at this is... At least you had a chance to see what your intestines looked like. How many people can say that? Stop it, Edward! Leave her alone! Thomas charges in as Edward uses the blunt end of the axe and smacks him in the face, busting his nose and knocking him to the ground. Thomas rolls around on the ground, holding his bloody nose. Don't go trying to do that hero thing, Thomas. It just doesn't suit you very well. 
Turning back, he finds Sarah stumbling toward the door to the main room, leaving a trail of blood. Where do you think you're going? Spinning the axe around in his hand, Edward raises the pick end up into the air and runs after her. Just as Sarah reaches the door, Edward slams the pick end of the axe on the top of her head. The point plunges through her skull and comes out through the bottom of her chin. Her body violently convulses as blood sprays up from her head like a fountain. Thomas on his knees watches in horror. What the hell did you just do? I guess you could say I voted her off the island. Edward tries to pull the pick out, but Sarah's violent convulsions pull the handle out of his hand as she staggers out into the main room. Ariana stands in shock. Sarah! Becky looks at the pick in Sarah's head. What the hell is in her head? Blood continues to spurt out of Sarah's head as she finally collapses on a pile of busted up concrete and rebar as Jill backs away. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Edward strolls into the room and looks over at the terrified women. By chance, did any of you see somebody with an axe stuck in their head come by this way? The women are speechless as Edward looks over at Sarah's crumbled up body. Never mind. I think I've found it. Edward walks up to Sarah's body and places his foot on her back. Spitting into his hands, he rubs them together and grabs hold of the handle. This accessory just doesn't compliment you. Edward jerks on the handle, pulling the axe out, and in the process, splitting her head open. Yikes. I think I just lost my appetite. Edward looks over at the mortified women. <laughs> Do you think that's what they mean by split personality? Ariana, Becky, and Jill all continue to be silent. Three women and not a peep? I must be in a dream world. Wait a second. If I was in a dream world, all of you would be totally naked or dressed in some kind of slutty outfits. Twirling the axe around, Edward looks up at the clock. Time sure does fly when you're killing family. So, which of you lovely ladies wants to go next? Becky points at Edward. Stay away from us, you sick fuck! Now, is that any way to talk to family? If I wasn't about to gut you, I would be crossing you off my Christmas list. Jill looks around the room. Somebody help us! Please! He's killing everyone! Do you actually think anybody is going to hear you? You are out in the middle of the sticks! The only ones that can help you are the animals. I'm pretty sure you lack the ability to talk to them. Ariana takes a step toward Edward. I bet I have an idea you will find so much better than what you are planning, Edward. I'm intrigued, my dear. What would this so-called idea be? I'm not blind to the way you look at me and the thoughts you must think. Ariana runs her hands down her body. I know you want nothing more than to fuck me. So why don't you put the axe down and the two of us can go off to one of the other rooms and have a little fun? Edward slowly looks Ariana up and down. That is an alluring idea as I would love nothing more than to screw you six ways from Sunday because you are by far the sexiest piece of ass I know. I've had some of the nastiest fantasies about you. Unfortunately, time is money, so I'll have to pass. Maybe if things work out and your body isn't in bad shape, I'll take a crack at you later. 
Stepping toward them, Edward continues to twirl the axe as Becky holds her hands out. I, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And what are you going to do to stop me? I'm not going to do anything. Becky smiles. He is. Edward spins around as Thomas comes charging into the room, swinging the mace, hitting Edward and sticking it in his shoulder, causing him to scream out as he drops the axe. Motherfucker! Becky looks at Thomas. Kill him, Thomas! Yanking the ball free, Thomas spins it around above his head as blood rolls down Edward's arm from the holes left from the spikes. You were right, Edward. This is a kick in the pants. Edward falls to his knees and tries to reach for the axe, but Thomas stomps on his hand, then kicks him in the face, driving him backwards and falling next to Sarah's body. You won't be needing that anymore. Becky throws her hands up in frustration. Don't play games with the bastard! Kill him already! Thomas, still swinging the mace, looks down at Edward, who is looking up at him. Please don't kill me, Thomas! We can work something out! I wasn't going to hurt you! We can work as a team! You're so full of shit it's coming out of your eyes. You would have killed me at the drop of a hat. Jill claps her hands. What are you waiting for? Just kill him already, then we can figure out how to get out of here. Thomas looks back at Jill. Oh, I wouldn't worry about that, because you won't be going anywhere. Jill looks at Thomas, confused. What? Ariana points at Edward. Don't let him get away. Thomas turns around, finding Edward crawling into a different room. Oh, shit. Thomas looks down at the trail of blood. At least it'll be easy to follow. Ariana runs in the other direction, disappearing through another one of the many doors, as Thomas jerks back around just in time to stop Becky and Jill from running. Not so fast. Jill looks at Becky. What do we do? We don't do anything. You're on your own. Becky grabs Jill and throws her on the ground, then runs in the direction of Ariana. Jill looks up at Thomas, who is standing over her. You're not like Edward, Thomas. Don't do this. You're right, sis. I'm nothing like him. I'm better. Thomas swings the mace at her, but just misses her, and the ball gets stuck in the ground. Jerking on the handle, it doesn't budge. Come on! Jill jumps to her feet and sprints away, just avoiding Thomas's grasp. Get back here, bitch! Thomas pulls the ball free. You can run, but you can't hide. <laughs> Reaching up, Thomas feels his broken nose. Shit. Angry, Thomas looks down at Edward's blood trail. Like a trail of breadcrumbs. Tossing the mace on the ground, Thomas scoops up the axe and follows the blood trail. Following Edward's blood trail, Thomas carefully steps into the cleaning room that has several big rusted-out sinks with pipes in varying lengths sticking up from the ground where the other sinks have been removed. Scanning the room, Thomas quietly moves around, then kneels down looking under one of the sinks and notices movement. Gotcha. Holding the axe out, Thomas moves closer to the sink, when all of a sudden a rat darts out from under it, causing him to slam the axe down, cutting the rat in half. Ugh, stupid rat. Edward, with a pipe in hand, jumps up from behind one of the other sinks, swinging at Thomas, but missing. Thomas steps back and howls in pain as a bear trap catches his leg. Reaching down, Thomas tries to pull the trap apart, but doesn't budge. The trap itself is chained to a steel post. That's gotta put a damper on your plans. You gotta get me out of this, Edward. God, 
Damn it. Oh, I'm gonna bleed to death. I certainly hope so. You asshole. Thomas raising the axe, charges at Edward, dragging the bear trap behind him. But the chain goes tight and drops <coughs> Thomas to a halt, stripping his leg of skin. Reeling back, Thomas drops the axe and reaches down to his mangled leg as Edward tosses the pipe and picks the axe up. I'm guessing you will no longer be needing this. Please, Edward. Help, help me. I'd love to stay and chat with you, but that nagging time thing is relentless. Edward heads toward the door. What are you doing? You can't just leave me like this. Edward looks back at Thomas. I wouldn't worry. Judging from the amount of blood you're losing, you have less than an hour. Help me! Being the compassionate brother that I am, I will come back and check on you. To make sure you're dead. Winking, Edward walks out of the room as Thomas cries and stares at his leg. Ariana slowly sticks her head into the weapons room. It's clear. Scanning the ground, Ariana tiptoes into the room with Becky behind her as Thomas's screams for help can be heard from several rooms over. Please, help! Who is that? I think it's Thomas. Becky looks down at the ground. Watch your step. I'm trying. If that's Thomas, then Edward could be anywhere. I realize that. He could come back in here. That's exactly why we need to get a weapon. Reaching the table, Ariana surveys the weapons when a noise from one of the other rooms startles both of them. Oh Christ, he's coming back! We have to get out of here! Ariana picks up the smallest sword and hurries over by the door standing against the wall. What are you doing? We have the elements of surprise right now. We need to take advantage of it. Get over here. Hurrying over, Becky stands next to her. What are you going to do? Kill the motherfucker. Footsteps can be heard approaching as Ariana tightens her grip on the sword and positions herself to strike. The footsteps can be heard just outside the door when Ariana jumps out and stabs the sword forward. Ariana lets go of the sword and steps back in horror. Did you get him? Jill, with the sword stuck through her, staggers into the room. Oh, shit! It's Jill! Ariana looks at Becky. I... I... I didn't know it was her! With blood spilling out of her chest and her mouth, Jill reaches for Ariana and falls forward, driving the sword all the way to the hilt. Jill? Reaching down, Becky taps Jill's shoulder. Jill? Jill, can you hear me? Cringing, Becky stands up. I think she's dead. You killed her! Not on purpose! Why the hell was she sneaking around? Same reason we are, you dumb bitch! You're trying to hide from me! Spinning around, they find Edward, covered in his own blood and woozy, standing right behind Ariana. Edward drives the pick <laughs> end of the axe through Ariana's temple, causing one of her eyes to spring out and dangle over her cheek, then pulls the pick free, allowing her body to fall to the ground. Becky falls against the wall and slides down onto her ass, rocking back and forth as Edward looks out at the clock, then back at Becky. Talk about good time management. 
Just under an hour to go. <laughs> now I can kill you and still have time for a little one-on-one -on -one with Ariana. She's dead, you sick bastard. I can't believe all those people called you stupid with such witty observations like that. All I gotta do is toss a shirt over her face and she's good to go. What did you do to Thomas? Edward throws his hand up in disgust. Slow down, Doran. You seem to be tossing out accusations without truly knowing the facts. You killed him as well. I didn't do a damn thing to him. And I'm nuts went ahead and got himself stuck in a dicey situation. Edward puts his hand up to his ear. And judging from his silence, I'd say it finally got the best of him. Edward looks back at the door. Hey, Thomas? Are you dead? I think Becky is concerned about you. Becky springs forward and shoves Jill's body over and jerks the sword out and drives it through Edward's left side. Oh, bitch! Edward swings the axe, but she ducks as she pulls the sword out and sticks it through his right leg. Oh, you're fucking dead! Edward swings the axe, but the blood-soaked handle slips from his hand and it flies across the room. Becky, smiling, grabs the handle of the sword. <laughs> Just like every other man in this male-dominated world, you've gone and underestimated a woman. Becky pulls the sword out, allowing blood to flow freely from Edward's leg as he looks at her in shock. Edward grabs his leg, trying to stop the blood. Jesus Christ! What are you doing, Becky? You're killing me! You think? <laughs> it's a shame I didn't know how good this could feel because I would have done this a long time ago. Edward, limping, tries to maneuver toward the table, but Becky circles around and blocks him. How you feeling, Edward? A little woozy, perhaps? Edward takes a step back. <laughs> that certainly can't be a good thing with that much blood leaving your body. Edward pushes down on his leg as blood flows through his fingers. What do you think the odds are that you will bleed out before that clock hits zero? Maybe I should just play it safe and give you another quick poke to help speed up the process. What do you think? Becky points the sword at Edward. Stay away from me, you crazy bitch! Somebody help me! Edward, staggering, makes his way toward the door to the cleaning room. Where do you think you're going? You're only delaying the inevitable, Edward. Uh, stay away from me! Becky steps up to him and pokes him in the back with the tip of the sword. Ouch! What the hell is wrong with you? Can't we just talk about this? We could share the money! Becky stops, bringing her hand up to her chin. Let me think about that for a quick moment. Nope, I don't think so. Edward stumbles and falls into the cleaning room. When you stop and think about it, Edward, I will be the only one getting all the money, and the only person I had to kill was you. I feel good about that because I really don't consider you a person. Becky walks into the cleaning room as Edward drags himself across the floor. Go away! I would, but I just can't take the chance of you lasting past the clock and both of us dying. That would be absurd. Edward drags himself past Thomas's body as Becky walks up and stares down at it. That explains what all the screaming was about. Becky turns to Edward, who has stopped moving. So, you have any last words, Edward? <sighs> I have three, actually. Go fuck yourself! Edward spits blood at her. 
How could I possibly expect anything else from you? I wish I could say I will miss you. Becky brings the sword up, when all of a sudden, Thomas grabs <laughs> hold of her leg. Help me. Becky, startled, plunges the sword down through Thomas's neck as Edward, with a surge of strength, jumps up and shoves her, knocking the sword out of her hand and causing her to fall backwards onto a collection of jagged piping that punctures her chest. Edward stands over Becky, sneering. <laughs> That's what you call male dominance, bitch! <sighs> Becky takes her last breath as Edward turns and stumbles toward the door. I did it! I won! Game over! Edward, covered in blood, walks into the main room and falls to his knees. Where are you, Bob? Edward, spitting up blood, looks around the room. What's the deal? No one else is alive! Can't you see I'm in need of medical attention? Get your ass in here, Bob! Edward forces himself to crawl toward the coffin that has the lid open. This is ridiculous. I hope you have a resume handy, Bob, because now that I'm in control, your sorry ass is shit-canned. <sighs> Edward, out of breath, reaches the coffin and sits against it with his back as he looks out at Sarah's lifeless, bloody body that lays contorted over the pile of crumbled concrete. I beat all you bastards. <sighs> Reaching back, Edward slaps the side of the coffin. Are you proud of me, Dad? Edward closes his <laughs> eyes and laughs as his hands drop to his side. A hand holding a shiny, sharp hunting knife lowers down next to Edward's head. Edward opens his eyes just in time to catch a glimpse of the knife as it slides across his throat. Edward reaches up to his throat as the blood gushes through his clamped fingers. He falls forward, landing on his back and watches in horror as Clint swings his legs over the edge of the coffin and jumps down. Clint stretches his arms out and rolls his head on his shoulders. Sorry to disappoint you, son, but I'm just not ready to give up my money at this time. Edward struggles to speak, but only blood spurts out of his mouth as Bob walks into the room and stands next to Clint. They watch the life drain out of Edward. How are you feeling, sir? To be honest with you, Bob, I still feel a little out of it, but getting better by the minute. I've taken some drugs in my time, but nothing like that. It was very intense. I couldn't move, and it felt like I could barely breathe, but I could hear everything going on. Well, I must say, sir, the illusion of your death worked rather well. I had to keep telling myself, you weren't really dead. You don't have to worry, Bob. I have no intention of leaving this rock any time soon. Clint bends down and looks into Edward's sagging eyes. Before you die, I need to tell you something, Edward. Pointing to his eyes, Clint smiles. Not a tear. For you or any of them. Standing up, Clint looks back at Bob. So, how do we end up doing? Outstanding, sir. We made more than was projected. That's what I like to hear. You have an excellent eye for business opportunities, sir. But again, 
Don't you think it was a little harsh using your own children? How many times do I have to tell you, Bob? They were adopted, so that doesn't count. I had no feelings for them then, and I sure don't have any feelings for them now. They were long-term investments that finally paid off. Edward, with one last gasp of life, reaches up toward Clint. His hand collapses onto his bloody body and his eyes close. Was I right when I anticipated Edward being the favorite to win? As yourself, I also thought either Edward or Peter would for sure be the front runners. But as it turns out, Trevor was the favorite. <laughs> no shit! I wouldn't have predicted that in a hundred years. I would have gone with one of the girls before him. Clint nudges Edward with his foot. He's dead. Is everything in order to burn this place? It is. Well, what are we waiting for? Time is money, so let's roast some marshmallows. Stepping out of the building that has flames and smoke rolling out of it, Clint and Bob board the bus. Clint and Bob walk to the door in the middle of the bus and open it. One of the walls is filled with monitors. Each one is displaying a different location in the slaughterhouse. On the other wall is a larger signal monitor displaying a group of upper-class men and women. The men and women dressed in high-end clothing, varying in ages, mill around a plush room drinking the finest wines and snacking on first-class food. Clint steps up and stares at the monitor, watching as several men gather around a chalkboard, having an animated conversation. The chalkboard lists all of Clint's adopted children, with odds next to them. I'm impressed with the group's attitude, considering some of them lost extensive amounts of money. Even the ones that lost are already asking when the next event will be. That's fantastic. How do I talk to them? Grabbing a chair, Bob rolls it over in front of the small camera mounted on a counter. Well, it's as simple as sitting down and telling him when. Clearing his throat, Clint sits down. <clears throat> Rock and roll. The blank monitors in the room turn on, revealing Clint's face. Ladies and gentlemen, I certainly hope you found today's events enjoyable. Clint watches the monitor as the group cheers and raise their glasses toward him. I would like to start by saying thank you for making this such a success. It's been brought to my attention that some of you are curious as to when the next event will be. Due to the delicate nature of these events, it takes time and planning to arrange them. But as soon as one is planned, each one of you will be contacted and filled in on all the necessary details. Until then, I suggest saving up some extra money. Have a wonderful evening. Bob turns the camera off as Clint leans back, putting his hands behind his head. Sir, weren't you ever worried that one of them could have, like, freaked out and called the cops? That thought never crossed my mind. Interesting. And why is that? Well, it's simple, really. Gamblers are degenerates, and they'll bet on anything. I found a new niche, something fresh to feed their addiction. Well, with that said, where do we go from here, sir? I've been pondering that, and I've decided a trip to the Emerald City will be a nice change of pace. Emerald City, huh? Seattle. They have lots of coffee and software millionaires with money burning holes in their pockets. And the contestants? I'm pretty sure you have no more children. This planet is filled with greedy people, so that will not be a problem. Bob smiles. 
Very well, sir. Bob walks to the front of the bus as Clint looks out the window and watches the slaughterhouse collapse, sending flames up into the night air. The dumbass that said money can't buy you happiness never did shits like this. The bus slowly pulls away as the flames engulf the rest of the structures. This concludes the twisted tale, Eight Ways to Collect. Remember to keep those ears open for future twisted tales wherever you get your podcasts.